Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We get to carry on with a series and last week we kicked off a series on No Matter What out of the book of Philippians. And I don't want to take too much time tonight. I want, to, I want us to read the whole first chapter together, and I want to speak from a, an amazing verse out of Ecclesiastes, because I think when we look at the first chapter of, of Philippians, there's an unbelievable theme that is powerful, that shouts at us. And when I look at this book, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book because Paul's not dealing with sin like he was dealing in Corinthians. In Corinthians, he's dealing with this, this reality of, of a sexually immoral church that there's challenges going on, and he's having to deal with base root stuff. He's saying, come on, church, let's deal with the base stuff. In Galatians, he's dealing with legalism, and he's calling to the church to freedom. He's saying, guys, Christ, in Christ, you are free. Perfect freedom. In the book of Philippians, he doesn't mention sin. It's quite a radical thing. And yet he's dealing with them, and he's speaking to them, and he begins to speak to them about, in the midst of trial and adversity, you can have joy. You can have joy because joy is in Jesus. He's writing this book from prison sitting in a prison cell with his mate Timothy and a couple of other mates, and he's writing a letter to a church who are free. They're not in prison. And he's from a prison cell. He's writing with passion, and he's imploring them to a life full of joy because it's a life in Jesus. And I, you know what? I love the Word of God. And I think sometimes we, Edwin spoke about the book, and he said we, we pull out, we love to pull out little fridge magnet sayings out of this book. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And we put it on our fridge and that's awesome. But we've got to come under the full story. We've got to come under the truth. And every line has life in it. Every line. There's no wasted lines here. So we're going to read and come under the authority of the word together. Is that all right? I trust if you've got your Bible, will you turn to Philippians and read from your Bible? If it's NIV, if it's not NIV, I apologize for you. And I'm going to put it on the screen just to help you. The pre-94, hey, Wally, what's this, what's it? that one, that one. Can I read Philippians for us? And I trust, and, and I want you to hold on to one-liners or thoughts, because I'm going to ask you for a few when you finish. Is that good? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. That's a pretty big task. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Jesus, of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I, am, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to all the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's talking about his imprisonment or for preaching the gospel. 
As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Christ Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you, for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. There is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. This is a sign, and that is by God, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Give me some one-liners. The work he starts. You don't have to cite the whole line, but maybe it's a concept, a thought, but he will complete. Miriam. Yes. Amen. That is the, the Trump verse that we are screaming and want to get so embedded in, in no matter what happens, whatever happens. Conduct yourself. And part of the conduct is like it can come across as this way of living, becoming a, a conduct. No, actually, I'm just a conductor of His grace. I'm a conductor of, a, of His goodness. I'm a conduit for His grace in our lives. I love that. What are some of the other themes that you pick up in that chapter? Yeah, for them. And, and paying a price for them. Yeah, it's amazing. Self-sacrifice. Not a common thing these days. Give us another one. I feel like there's one coming from here. Yes, Isa. Prayer life. Yes. Yeah. Ran a marathon today and still have contributions, both of these guys. It's just amazing you're awake. And um, anyone else? Any other thoughts or concepts coming out of here? Yeah. What does it matter? Yeah. So he's not worried about his person, his impression that he might have made. 
Anyone else? It sounded like English, but I didn't make out what that was, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. All the same. Yeah. Incredible, eh? The bigness of the heart, the bigness of the love. It's, it's astounding. You know, we are called to... to not just take words of a page. A man wrote this. A man sitting in jail. Not the only time he went to jail. A man who was beaten, who was whipped, who was bitten by a snake for the mission of God and for the church. And he's in jail because of his preaching to them. And when you see the bigness of his heart and you see the cry of his heart, a cry to actually, I'm prepared to sacrifice and keep sacrificing. Actually, I'd much rather be in heaven. But it's better for you that I stay. It's got to land on us. It's got to settle on us because it's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the essence and the nature of the gospel and the essence of Jesus. I find it amazing. I find I read this and I'm just captivated. Not to be a better pastor, just to be a better follower of Jesus and lover of Jesus. It's an incredible thing. I want to tell one story and then jump to another scripture. But this story is written from a man in jail. And I mentioned the story this morning, but I have a friend. He's a big-hearted man. He's a generous man. I, I love golf. He's the man who gave me my golf clubs years ago. He's a generous man, and he's consistently been a generous man. And he was on Facebook one day just following a thread that was another thread that was another friend's thread, and he encountered this plea from a man who was in jail. And then he remembered, I know that man. I was in church with that man. So he followed up on it, and the plea was this. I've been in jail for four years. I was caught for white-collar fraud. I'm guilty. And there's a large bail to be paid and none of my friends were prepared to pay the bail and none of my family were prepared to pay the bail. So I sit in jail. Will anyone help? It's a cry from jail. He's guilty. But my friend saw this post. He said, actually, I'm going to follow that up. And he chased the rabbit trail and he found out where he was in jail. And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, actually, you can pay that man's bail. He hadn't seen him in years. And it wasn't 500 bucks. So he followed him up. He went and paid the bail and got the guy out. What he didn't know was while that guy was in jail, see, this guy was a genius. He had defrauded FNB so cleverly, they never caught him. They only caught him because he had a few too many beers and spilled the beans to his mates at the bar and someone ratted on him. So anyway, he got caught. He's a genius. In four years in jail, having not a lot to do, he came up with a credit card security system that literally could change credit cards around the world. And he comes out of jail and says, you, sir, the one who bailed me out, my partner who called me years ago, I want you to partner with me in this. And in the last eight months, they've been traveling to London, meeting Lloyds of London and all the bigwigs of the banking sector, trying to crack the security code, and they can't crack it. The upside is hundreds of millions of rand. And here's the amazing thing, because one man got another man out of jail, listened to the cry of a man from jail. There's an inheritance for him and his family. There's an inheritance for this man and his family because he listened to a man in jail. And, and I read Philippians, and I've got to keep reminding myself, I'm listening to the writings of a man in jail, and this man isn't guilty. This man shouldn't be in jail. He shouldn't have been beaten. He didn't deserve to be there. 
and yet we quickly write that off, and we've got to be reminded, as we read every line, he's writing from captivity. He's not writing from, I'm on the top of the hill, life is good, it's great, the bank balance is good, everything is good. No, he's in the pit of a jail. He's strapped to two men. It says he was strapped to one God and one God behind closed gates. It's not a great situation to be in. And he writes this amazing book. And as I read this amazing thing, it's that thing of self-sacrifice. It's this partnership. It says, you were the ones... You prayed, and you were the ones who received the gospel. We find in Philippians 4 that when he was in trouble, he reveals that they were the only church who supported him financially when the ministry needed support. And so there's this incredible relationship between Paul and this amazing church. And I want to speak about the, the nature of joyful partnership. Joyful partnership. See, partnership's a little bit of a challenge in our world. Because when you, you speak to people about partnership, it's a thousand T's and C's that need to be at the bottom of the line. Because actually, if I'm getting into a business partnership with Edwin in this world, I'm getting in to get what I can get out. And the minute it's not good, we break it. So marriage becomes this partnership where I said the vows actually for the good part, not for the bad part. And when the bad part comes, I'm out of here. But actually, the gospel says you don't get into partnerships to get. You get into partnership to give. Because your source is secure. Your provider is on his throne. He is good and he is faithful. And we get into partnerships, kingdom partnerships, where Jesus is at the center. I'm in partnership with people I don't even have to be best friends with. You know that? It's been amazed. As we've left Durban, it's been three years. There are still people who I worship with and I never had a meal with. I never had a coffee with. Every now and again, they'll phone. They'll send a message. How are you doing? I'm remembering you in my prayers. Partnership is so much more than just we best mates today. Well, now we partners because the kingdom's obviously at work now. Partnership is because Jesus is at the center. We can partner because of his grace. And I shared this morning. I got an SMS from my very first home group leader today. But this guy was not just a home group leader. This guy was the guy when my parents got liquidated and I had nothing except for a student loan. He came to me, visit me when I worked my first shift at RJ's. His bill was 30 rand and he gave me a 50 rand tip. This was the guy who bought a second motorbike so that I could go on trips to the Jockensburg with him because I couldn't afford to go otherwise. He was six years older than me. God put him in my life. He's never preached in a pulpit, and you wouldn't know his name. But I'm the product of a man who said, I'm going to partner with a younger man who can give me nothing. All he's going to do is use my XT550 and break it on Sony Pass, which happened. And, 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 and all he's going to do is get in my car and use my petrol, and I know he can't contribute. And all he's going to do is come to my house and eat my food, and I know he can't bring. And all he's going to do is come sit in my life group, stinking from rugby practice because he didn't have time to shower, and it doesn't matter, I'll keep him a seat. You know what a partnership looks like? Giving. And this world made it about receiving completely different. But I want to take us to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's a scripture that's read at weddings, and we, 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 we use the last line of it so beautifully at the, at the end of invites. But it's an unbelievable picture of partnership. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can pick the other one up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not quickly broken. I just want to work through the scripture. In the light of Philippians chapter 1, that is about this joy in partnering. He's not saying, I'm in 
perfection right now. I'm in Bantry Bay Hotel taking in the view, be encouraged, church. He's not doing that. He's in jail with God's right there. He's singing praises to God and penning a letter of encouragement to the church. And here's the amazing, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. See, we love the quote, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. But few have actually explored and exploited the full reality of that truth. Too few. When we fully get it, when we fully understand that's not just, hey, how's it won and how it's just going to happen. When we understand that there's a partnership required for the two to come together, for the multiplier reality of the 10,000, and we see the supernatural realities of actually that man in prison could change my future forever, and I didn't know that. That's not why I did it. We start realizing that in the church and the powerful dynamic of we need everyone in the church, rich, poor, different backgrounds, different stories, from up north to Lumbambashi, through the southern tip of South Africa, through to America. We need them all. From the proud, rich, arrogant, broken, whatever, we need them all. Because in the partnership where Jesus is at the center, something supernatural can happen. Can only happen in the local church. In the local church is the place we come and we gather. Why? Not because of each other. Because of Jesus. And it's become, it's sometimes it gets a little bit cheap and it's like, well, I don't like that guy on worship, so I'm not going to come. Honestly. No, no, no. You actually may be called to encourage that guy to step into more. Maybe it's your role to get stuck in and get part of it. But this says two are better than one. So the challenge, on the census forms in America, the latest stats are about 75% of America would tick Christian. The latest stats are anywhere between 16 to 18% of America are involved in a local church. The challenge is we can have pseudo-communities, and when I say it's, it's Christians gathering, but, but, uh, but when the, the point is a motorbike club, if it's not Jesus, it's not partnership in Christ. It's a different dynamic. You won't see the supernatural dynamic. You'll still have relationship, and people are desperate and hungry for relationship with community. They are desperate. But you want to see supernatural realities? See, I want depression to flee from those who have been riddled by it for years. I'm crying out for that. And I ask that you would partner in that. I ask that you would partner. And even if you've never suffered from it, then ask someone who is and ask them the reality because it's very real to them. It destroys family situations. We've got to contend for some of these things. But why? Sometimes I think it's because we do the sums and you think, well, the cost is not worth it. I've got to walk with that guy. I've got to hear his issues. I mean, Trav, he's got so many issues. I mean, and I have to have breakfast with him at News Cafe and just, he downloads his issues. And then he comes and helps me push my bike and he splits his shirt because he can't realize the shirt was actually too tight. Obviously, this is all fictional. But it's costly, God. And he makes me pay for the breakfast. No, actually, that's a lie. He paid. But, um, but there's a cost to this partnership dynamic. It is costly. I was in one church for 20 years, and I'm going to tell you, relationship and partnering in the gospel is costly. But when we believe the word of God, that actually two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. I want a good return. 
in the middle. My marriage has a good return because I'm in partnership. My relationships, my kids, I need community. I need partnership. I need people who can help me raise my kids because I think I've got it all together. And then all of a sudden I realize I don't. I need partnership so men and women can stand by and say, actually, the way you spoke to your wife, the way you addressed that person was wrong. I need that because they have a good return for their labor. And there it carries on. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and there's no one to help him up. And I think of the story of the brands lowering their mate to Jesus. I'm reminded of years ago when I stood on the dunes of Durban praying for a mate whose girlfriend of eight years who I wanted to be his wife left him and within two weeks was pregnant with another man. He had no career prospects and his life was really in a mess. And we stood, three friends and him, I can tell you their names and I can tell you where they are right now. We're all still friends. This was 12 years ago, before I was ever a leader in a church or anything. And we cried out to the living God. Within six months, that man had begun a career that he is still in today where he is flying. Within those same six months, that woman who had left him was back in his arms. That child was born and he adopted that child. Now they have another two kids and an unbelievable marriage. Why? sometimes we're going to get down. And sometimes we're going to need a friend to pick us up. And sometimes it's too late when you're ready down to realize that. Because I don't have to wait for them. I can read the word and the word says you need it now. Paul understood the kingdom potential of partnership. It says if two lie down together, they keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? This is not a sexual image here. Huh? Just Relax. It's bear grills in the belly of a dead camel keeping warm in winter. It's that. It's bear grills. But it does speak of intimacy. Do you make yourself available to people for intimate relationships, sir or ma'am? Or do you like to keep it wafer thin? Wafer thin. Wide, 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 but thin. And the challenge is the enemy comes and it's thin and it's exposed as thin. See, my lecturer taught me once, he said, presence is the oxygen of relationship. And I know relationship is the basis of intimacy. I've got to be present. Are you present in relationships? Or are you always unavailable? You're always the guy, you just can't take the call, can't, are you unavailable? It's a challenge, guys. You want intimacy? Intimacy that will keep warm when it's cold. Intimacy that will come and cover you when you're actually struggling and your nakedness is exposed. That's partnership. Then it says this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Where's Johnny? Come here, Johnny. Come here, Johnny. We're going to put a, a demonstration to this. Where's some of the young bucks that are wolf whistling? Yes, you, Ollie. There we go. Come. Come. Yes, yeah, yeah, come. Come, Tim. Come, Josh. Come, Trevi. Surround this man over there. Surround him over there. Move over there. I don't want to get involved. Move a little bit over that way, buddy. So, so just surround him. Just surround him. Just, guys, you're not doing a dance. This is... Are you going to, so, so now, these are the attackers. You see this? This is the voice of failure. 
He's had a rough night. <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is the enemy keeping reminding Johnny of a past broken relationship. This is a career that's struggling. This is physical health that's not working out. Surround him. See now, I mean, in reality, I'd still back Johnny. But for the analogy, for the analogy, Stefan, come here, buddy. Just stay. Go back to back with Johnny. See, right now, right now, he's got a whole 180 degrees exposed. But you put that man in partnership to him. And something changes. Something changes. And the Bible says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You see, when we aren't in partnership, our defenses are down. Our defenses are down because no one's speaking to my blind spots. No one's challenging. No one's pointing out the obvious like, fool, if you keep going to that place, you're going to get in trouble. That's the love of a brother. That's the love of a defender. That's partnership where Jesus is at the center. We all need it. All of us. I remember playing, stay here, stay here. I remember playing under 21 rugby, and I wasn't the biggest man in the world. I know some of you are surprised. You're like shocked. You're like, no way. I had this image of you, huge. And, um, but I did have a big mouth, and I know some of you are shocked again. It's, it's like you're shocked. And, and, yeah. But I did have the most humongous friend. His name is Greg Rawlinson. He played lock for the All Blacks after that. We were at school with him. He's huge. He's, he's six foot six, muscles everywhere. And one day I was just not behaving myself and my mouth was just going. And it started getting niggly and then it was all out chaos. And I looked for one guy. I just, I made a beeline for Greg and I stood next to him. Because no one went near the soak. You guys come running and they deviate this way. It's like, and I knew if my back was to that guy, I was safe. Do you have those defenses in your life, sir, ma'am? Or are the defenses down? Because yes, Jesus is fighting you, but yes, Jesus says, two are better than one. Jesus wrote the word, the Spirit of God says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Do you have a Stephan? Do you have a Claire? Thanks, guys. I just, who's got your back? Paul writes to this church with knowledge of assurance that this church will partner because they did before. See, here's how to live in the joy of partnership. Three things, and I'm going to shoot them quickly because we're out of time. The first one, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. Are people in your mind and in your thoughts? Because if it's always about what I'm getting from relationships, then their interests aren't in your mind and a thought. Then you probably don't have a partnership. You have a dependent relationship. The church is full of it. It's got to change to partnership. See, here's the thing. We disqualify ourselves because we think we're the guy in the prison, and yet it's the guy in the prison writing the letter to encourage them. Can you silence the disqualifying voice of the enemy? 
and realize that you've got something to give and you can put your back to someone and you can put up the defenses for someone else maybe. And God wants to get in his church because I'm telling you, the rich need the poor more than the poor need the rich most of the time. Secondly, he makes the statement, all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. You want partners? Pray for people. Maybe you won't even know them by name. Cover the single ladies in this church in prayer. You want a wife? Pray for the single ladies in this church. I'm being honest. You want a marriage? Pray for the marriages in this church. Take your eyes off yourself and give yourself away. Start in prayer on your knees. It's this big heartedness of Paul. All of you. It means we've got to deal with prejudice in our hearts. We've got to deal with small thinking. I don't need to pray for those guys because he's driving an Audi. Now he probably needs your prayer more than you could possibly realize. And then lastly, it says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Last one I'd ask, do you have people in your heart? And yes, in the local church. See, I've, I've been in church most of my life. I've seen business partners who previously sued each other and hated each other both get saved by the gospel of Jesus, find themselves back on the same leadership team and now serving the gospel together. I've been to a church on the south coast where the man leading the church when we visited there was a survivor of a war camp in World War II. And the guy he took the church over from was one of his prison wardens. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ turns everything on its head. And when that gospel gets inside this small broken heart, the potential is unlimited. Paul is calling the church to kingdom partnerships. It's a great story. It can't just remain someone else's story. And here's the caveat. Here's the disclaimer from the pastor. Your relationship with the local church is not vicariously through me. I cannot be your link to the church. Oh, am I okay? Am I in partner? Yes, I know Mark. That's not enough. And it can't be Edwin and it can't be Wally. It's this interweaving of lives and stories. There are far better counselors in this church than me. There are far more gifted people to counsel. I look at Andrew Gervais at the back then. I see a man who's got fruit year after year after year walking with people. Mariette, marriages in the story. Don't be someone who says, my link is that. Let's get stuck in the hands and feet and understand that this partnership has got to be real and it can't be thin. And it can't be left to one day when I need it. Sometimes that's too late. And sometimes it's too tenuous. And God says, actually, here's the truth. Don't need to be best mates to be partners. We can contend for depression to leave a community because we're partners in the gospel that is glorious. And it happens because of one thing, Jesus in the middle. I love the gospel. I love Jesus. And I want to call us to something that's biblical. Read Philippians. Find Jesus. Find his joy in this story. Thank you, Willie.